I am glad to be with you here today. You know, this is the second Sunday in a row that I am able to worship in traditional worship with you. That has never happened two Sundays in a row in my 11 years at Mount Olivet. I know. Thank you for being my spotters. I love it when I see myself in Scripture. I mean, I would love it if I weren't always the example of what not to do, if I wasn't always the before picture, if for once I saw myself as the faithful, the comprehending, the one who gets it. And yes, I see myself all over Matthew chapter 11. Earlier in chapter 11, Jesus tells us that I assure you that no one who has ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus describes an austere John dedicated to self-denial and goes on to say all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came. If you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah to come. But the people weren't willing to accept it, to accept John. The asceticism and sacrifice led to calls that John had a demon. And then we get Jesus. In describing himself, Jesus says, the human one came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Approachable to humanity, this easy interactions with humans could be seen as truly God incarnate. Very different than John the Baptist, but once again, the people reject him. Now, because he is not austere, not pious enough, I am opinionated, willful, decisive, all good qualities in 21st century Northern Virginia until I read Matthew 11. Like the generation Jesus is addressing, I have my own view of who Jesus is, who Jesus should be. I imagine I am not alone. I think of Roots theologian Cal Naughton Jr. in the movie Talladega Nights, the Ricky Bobby story. Cal is best friend and racing partner of Ricky Bobby and shares his conception of Jesus at the family dinner table. Cal leads with, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt. Because it says, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party. I like to party, and I like my Jesus to party too. Cal then unpacks this definition even more. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and sing and lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band, and I'm in the front row. In describing himself, Jesus says the human one came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton, a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. As theologian N.T. Wright notes in his excellent volume, Matthew for Everyone, people don't like the challenge either of someone who points them to a different sort of life entirely, like John, 
or of someone who shows that God's love is breaking into the world in a new way, like a fresh breeze blowing through a garden and shaking old blossoms off the trees, like Jesus. I'm sure we each have a vision of Jesus. Perhaps you see surfer Jesus, whose portrait adorned churches throughout the nation for years. Perhaps you see a Jesus who is always polite and considerate, or a Jesus who passionately fights for justice and equality. Perhaps you see a Jesus singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. I must admit, it is too easy to see a Jesus who thinks like me, shares my values, likes the people I like. I can almost guarantee you that Jesus is not like me. Novelist Annie Lamott writes about this very topic in her memoir, Traveling Mercies, saying you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. It is not for you nor I to define Jesus, to determine what we like about the historical biblical Jesus and what we don't. We are not to remake Jesus in our image. There is no need for us to like or dislike parts of Jesus's message or ministry. For one very simple reason, to paraphrase theologian Stanley Hauerwas, Jesus is Lord and everything else is baloney. As one of the three persons of the Trinity, Jesus is God and Jesus tells us, my Father has handed all things over to me. Our window to God's being is through Christ. And it is tempting to look through that window and see a God that mirrors our view of the world. It can be easy to falsely see a God who rules with supreme power, but without love. A God who loves only people like us, not people who are different. A God who supports our political views, even our favorite team. Jesus' life shows us a very different view of the kingdom, what life could be like on earth. A life of tenderness and selflessness, laughter and friendship, a valuing of all people with an emphasis on those who are least in society, a path of forgiveness and love. This was not the savior the people of first century Israel expected. They were looking for a leader to overthrow Roman oppression. Similarly, this may not be the savior that 21st century United States expects. Christ demonstrated a kingdom rooted in love and compassion, not always the natural response for humanity. But Jesus is Lord and everything else is baloney. Life is exhausting. I can tell you that definitively because I love the quantified self. My wife Pam and I use Wythings sleep trackers, which give each of us a daily, nightly, detailed breakdown of our sleep, all rolled into a numeric score out of 100 and summarized as green, yellow, or red. Most mornings, Pam and I compete 
to see who got the better result the night before. Most mornings, as with Wordle, and quite honestly, most things in life, Pam wins. You see, it's not just life that's exhausting, but real rest can be elusive. I now have scientific evidence that real sleep, real rest, is harder to come by than certainly I expected. Most months, only about 30% of my nights are green. Because the exhaustion of the world doesn't stop when my head hits the pillow. Now, I realize I am probably alone in this, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night worrying about stuff. I worry about that stubborn project in my other job at Freddie Mac. I worry that people will realize that I am not the genius I appear to be. I worry that, I'm sorry, that wasn't the joke. <laughs> I worry that it will be difficult to lead a church the size of Mount Olivet with one and one quarter pastors. Sure, one and one quarter pastors with degrees from UVA, but still, I worry. I get tired. I feel I must have an answer for every question, a solution for every problem. I have to do it all. Perhaps you worry. Perhaps you get tired. Perhaps you feel you must have an answer for every question a solution for every problem. Perhaps you have to do it all. I am weary. My guess is you are weary. And here is the beauty of today's gospel message. We don't have to worry. We don't need answers or solutions. We don't need to do it all. Come to me all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ invites us to trade the yoke of worry, answers, and solutions for his mercy and love. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he has already done the difficult work of securing our salvation with his own life, death, and resurrection. Christ has offered us grace, and with that grace comes peace. It comes rest. And yet, it is not easy for me to give up my worry my stress. A Hindu friend once asked me why I had stress in my life, especially stress related to church. I did not say, have you met my congregation? <laughs> I tried to explain that there is much to do supporting Mount Olivet, the congregation and our ministries throughout the world. He looked at me and simply said, turn it over to God. I stammered that it wasn't that easy. I had to be in charge. He continued to look in my eyes and said, yes, it is that easy. 
I know personally that it can be difficult to give up our worry, our stress, and accept Christ's offer. It doesn't always feel easy, but it is always the path to true rest because Jesus is Lord and everything else is baloney. Amen.